Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. sketch and character comedy. My name is Alex Lynch. In this show, I chat to writers and performers from the world of sketch and character comedy, find out what made them venture into it, talk about their characters, maybe meet some of their characters, and generally just shoot the breeze and, more importantly, have a laugh. My special guest for episode 17 is the writer-performer Will Seabag Montefiore. Hello. Hi, Alex. Nice to be here. (laughs) Nice to have you on. Uh, It's been, what, at least 10, 12 hours since we we last (laughs) saw each other. We saw each other in person. That was exciting. Yeah, we did. Uh, Will and I went to watch um, Abandaman last night at uh, Underbelly in Cavendish Square. I say we went to watch. I mean, Will was in the show. Well, I I was in my little booth at the side typing things in. Uh, in the show is potentially a generous description but i was there i was helping that was a really fun night it was very delightful being there yeah it was, well, it was my first time seeing a Bandaman. god that for anyone who doesn't know a Bandaman, he's a freestyle rapper who basically the show at the moment that he's doing is a full music festival condensed into an hour he takes your suggestions and he makes you a music festival it's staggering it's crazy and like he makes it look so effortless he makes you think i could get up and do that every day i like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's i mean it's such a joyous thing as well like he brings such a good vibe to it um how did you meet him how did you get involved with uh uh rob and we met him at the edinburgh fringe so our first edinburgh fringe as just these please which is my sketch group um philippa philippa carson is one of the members she was doing two shows that fringe which was the 2018 fringe she was doing news review and our show news review longest running live comedy sketch show in the world uh that does satire philippa was in that show a bando man was after news review and they bumped into each other backstage because philip was playing violin in the show and he was like yo i want to get a violin involved in my show and then the next day we released um our first ever viral video Mm. um which is a sentence that makes me feel a bit queasy but um (laughs) (laughs) we released a video uh that is uh, very well known on the subreddit r slash cringe um people think it's very cringy which is nice (laughs) of them good feedback nice to get um that was a, a, a sketch called when you order coffee with an irish name about irish names being difficult to spell rob is irish philip is irish i they probably knew each other already they're probably cousins in some way <laughs> and, uh, we just stayed in touch he came and see our, saw our show he liked it and he's given us a load of his vi- advice he's the reason we now have head mics instead of just like shouting into the into the void <laughs> we have microphones and stuff so he's just been like a, a huge help and um giving us loads of advice that's terrific and also as a friend mm. it's, it's not just a, like hey give me advice we're, we're friends now yeah yeah, yeah. he's a, med- a, men- so. a mentor and friend yes like obi-wan kenobi yes 
I don't think they were friends, actually, but... <laughs> what, Obi-Wan and Luke? They weren't friends. It was purely business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not personal. It's just business. So uh, let's... Uh, well, for starters, because it's quite interesting... <laughs> uh, interesting, <laughs> debatable. Yeah, only... It's only quite interesting. <laughs> how we met, because uh, you and I were thrown together in a sketch group. We were, yeah. Lee Griffiths of Late Night Gimpfight, and who works at Soho Theatre, uh, created this show for the Vault Festival 2020. So I think you could already um, tell that it didn't last, but uh, <laughs> it was a... Uh, the idea was that he would create about 20-something teams made up of loads of sketch and character performers, which is a lovely idea. And you would, and each team would be given 10 minutes to create, uh, to perform at the Vault Festival. We, we were given more time to rehearse than 10 minutes, but I do believe yes. some of the sketch groups used <laughs> only the 10 minutes that they were performing <laughs> to, uh, to do their pieces. I think that's a fair comment. There was variety. <laughs> shall we say yeah yeah so will and i were thrown into uh, a sketch group with james alexander from podge and anna o'grady from anna and helen and we created the national trust yeah we were the founders of the national trust uh, there's an ongoing legal battle but i think we're gonna win the idea was that we uh we were a sort of seminar sketch group because that's never been done before, ever. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of slapstick falls. You did do a lot of pratfalls. Yeah, also, yeah, they've never been done before. <laughs> that was your specialty. It was like, what can Will bring to the table? I could fall down on I'm cue. very good at falling over. Yeah, it's, it's one of my two skills. The other skill being climbing trees. And there were no trees in the Vault Festival. There were no there. trees in the National Trust. Unfortunately. I mean, there are trees in the National Trust. Well, yeah, the, the uh, <laughs> sort of copycat National Trust that sprung up some years ago. It was a hot mess. Yeah, and I think because the three members of Just These Please uh, were in this, the Comedy Swingers, uh, we all swung and were put into different groups. And uh, I think I think you and I are probably the best thing to come out of uh, Comedy Swingers, speaking as <laughs> half of that um, group, is that we've remained we've remained friends. We became friends because of it. Exactly. We have, here we are. Here we are on a on a podcast together. It's uh, and going to see shows. Yeah, I think that's what Lee would have wanted. The show just kind of because of lockdown and everything, and the vaults, you know, closing. It just it just never really happened. So it is really nice. I don't see why getting a large group of strangers together, mixing them <laughs> up and making them perform in a basement <laughs> is a bad idea. I don't understand why it's not come back. But it, it's, it's, I think that that thing is a real testament to Lee and his work at the Soho. Like He's a real, real supporter of people who work within the sketch and character comedy world and just the theatre world too. And it was such a nice, it was such a nice atmosphere and a really great, silly thing to do it was excellent yeah thanks lee right and on that note we're going to move straight on out of comedy swingers and into you because this is about you will see bag one to fiore yeah it's all about me no more foreplay <laughs> tell us about how how you got into comedy and how that sort of went first into news review 
and then into your sketch group, Just These Please. So let's have a little a little timeline of Will. Oh, well, I was born on the 1st You could skip that part. Right, okay, cool. <laughs> what, what was yeah, the yeah, comedy great. that uh, uh, you grew up watching? A lot of Only Fools and Horses. Um... My my mum and dad loved uh, love only fools and horses, and we also you we used to watch. I remember watching Billy Connolly before. I think I was necessarily old enough to accept the swearing, but I think because he's Scottish, yeah. it was just accepted. And my mum's my mum's Scottish. Oh, um, nice. So those were definitely things that I would watch. A lot of Tom and Jerry as well. I used to watch a lot of Tom and Jerry. Oh, but yeah. When I was thinking about this, I suddenly I had a memory that I'd, I, I was like, I don't know how I ended up in sketch comedy. And I was like, hold on a minute. At the year five talent show in Haworth, when we were on a school trip, <laughs> I forced my best friend, Adil, to do a sketch with me that I wrote. And, uh, and it 100% was just stolen from a Harry Enfield show that I must have seen. Yeah, but you were in year five. That's what we did. <laughs> yeah to, to get into our comedy we just ripped off stuff that was already around exactly and so it was like it was a burglar sketch and yeah. the idea was the burglar comes to the door and it's like hi i'm here to burglar your house and then the guy's like have you got any id and so the burglar <laughs> shows him the id and what i did in impact font was print off on, a, on an a4 piece of paper <laughs> fake id and then a deal would show that to me and then I'd mm. ask the audience, is it fake? And they'd all <laughs> laugh because it's obviously fake. But instead, all these stupid primary school kids just answered. Adil said, is it fake? And they said, yes. And no one laughed. And I, I remember sort of rolling my eyes and being like, they don't get this. Like, what? <laughs> I'm, this, that's, the, that's the punchline. <laughs> this isn't my audience. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I need to find <laughs> my audience. So I, I've <laughs> always loved sketch comedy. I've always loved acting. And uh, I sort of came to sketch comedy through the acting world because I did a lot of improv at Newcastle University. We skipped straight from year five to Newcastle Uni because mm. you clearly didn't like my birth story. So fine. <laughs> uh, went to Newcastle Uni, was, did a lot of improv, uh, became the president of the Comedy Society because nobody else ran for it and did a lot of improv there. And then I thought, I'm going to meet my sketch group here. And then I didn't. And then I went to drama school at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama in London. Oh, wow. You went to uni and drama school. Yeah, I just wanted to spend all my parents' money. I'm trying my best to do that. <laughs> it's going pretty well so far. <laughs> I, hey, you know that English degree I have? I think I should supplement it with an arts master's. <laughs> um, oh, wow. So I... Uh, and then came out of drama school and was like, I'll probably be famous now. And that didn't happen. And <laughs> I was quite, I, the, the, the year after drama school, I think a lot of people experience this after their years of formal education, if they go through that route. It yes. just suddenly dropped into the world and you're like, what do I do now? And I was like, fuck, I've got a, I can't spend all of my parents' money. So I've got to get a job. So I started working in bars and stuff. And I was just very, I was very lost for about a year. I didn't really know what I was doing and got a message out of the blue from my friend Tom saying, hey, I've written a load of sketches, and uh, remember that play we did at Newcastle University? God, I'm so bad at storytelling, Alex. I've, I skipped over the Newcastle bit, and that's where I met Tom, who's the, the sketch quarter of Just These, please. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. nice. The, the lawyer of the, of the group. The lawyer, yeah, the shipping lawyer. Every sketch group has to have a lawyer. But Tom and I met at Newcastle University. We were in a play together called The Lonesome West, where we both yeah. did... Um, we played two brothers who had to have a lot of fights 
and we took a very uh, method approach to the fights whereby we did not choreograph them and just like had fights <laughs> like real people do yeah yeah so uh, <laughs> so we we got on really well and used to make each other laugh a lot and um then flash forward in the terribly told non-chronological story um, to london when it's Will... not linear that's yes that is that is a very nice way of describing <laughs> poor quality <laughs> not linear. um so yeah tom messaged me on facebook and was like hey my friend works for a production company do you want to come and do some sketches that i've written he can film them and we did and those exist somewhere and are fucking bad wow <laughs> i i'd come out of drama school and thought I know how to do everything. And it turns out I, I just was over sincere and didn't really know <laughs> what I was doing. <laughs> but then Tom had written a load of sketches that were um, set in bizarre places, like set on boats or set on like Ryanair Intergalactic. And he was like, we don't have the budget to make that. So why don't we do a stage show? And that that is sort of the inception of Just These Please. And um, if it was left to mine and Tom's devices, it we would have done a show once a year that had like four sketches in that had not been edited once. But um, <laughs> I met Philippa doing improv and I met Georgie in a very dark play about like sexual <laughs> violence. And I was like, oh, she's God. a brilliant actor. I thought Philippa was an amazing improviser and performer. So it was like, hey, maybe we should have some girls in the group. So we asked them and they were like, they came and read the stuff and they didn't hate it. And then they both were like, let's let's edit these sketches and make them better and i was like no they're perfect <laughs> so that's my non-linear story that i don't think you really entirely asked for no mate this is this is fascinating because that's three different scenes yeah the waves all sort of be kind of brought together like what was the um, improv where you met philippa so it was an improv group called very serious people um which uh, yeah. was set up by some friends of mine from central who I met mm-hmm. doing a, a new writing night after after I'd graduated. And so I did that, and this guy called Chris Royds and David Clayton were both like, we want to set up an improv troupe. Do you want to join it? And I said, yeah, and met, um, and they're t- two good friends, and now, and then met Gael uh, Vandenbosch, who's an excellent writer. So it was this little improv troupe that was great, and then they started expanding it to get more people in. And it was like, oh, we meet up once a week, and it's a... A room full of sweaty boys being gross and so they were like let's expand the pool and um yeah they uh they did some workshops and found philippa and she came around to my house when we would just improvise and work in our living rooms uh she came around i remember doing a scene where we both were just sitting on the floor sort of shout crying at each other because we used to do um we used to improvise <laughs> Uh, a movie so they'd always be like the down in the dumps moment I just remember us sitting across from each other having literally met like half an hour before <laughs> just shout crying <laughs> and being very silly and um, I was like oh she's amazing and I think That's we were great. we all sort of met at a time I think speaking prob- only for me so I'm, I am guessing that we were looking hmm. for our sort of our group and like this is I, I had my fingers in a lot of pies and I wanted to take those yes. fingers out, give them a lick and just put my whole fist into one pie. That is the grossest <laughs> metaphor I've ever done. <laughs> that is, that is... It's absolutely <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's such a graphic image. I know. I know. 
Oh, I don't know if you can edit around that. Jesus. I mean, I'm not going to. I think that is, uh, I think fisting a pie is a good sort of uh, slang for creating a sketch group. (laughs) How how did you guys fist your pie? I think you need to start doing that without explanation or context with every, every guest you get on now. So tell me the story of you fisting the pie. You've created something truly horrible and brilliant there. Yeah, I feel like Um, Oppenheimer. (laughs) <laughs> or Pineheimer. Oh, that yeah, that is definitely there. <laughs> or Pineheimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's oh my god. <laughs> I honestly thought you'd all met on News Review. No, uh, it's only Philippa and I who've done News Review at separate times. Right, right. And I ah. did News Review after after I graduated drama school. And I was I was, I was was not very happy. I was like, I, I think I was quite down. I wouldn't use the word depressed because I, I've never suffered from clinical depression. But I was very like, it was not a good time. Disillusioned? Yeah, very disillusioned. And like, I was in a relationship that was sort of falling apart. And was like, I don't really feel like I fit in anywhere. And basically, I, looking back on it, I just didn't really have a community and didn't really feel like I fitted in. And the two things that sort of solved that was being ballsy enough to uh, ask my friend Simon Prague. Actually, Simon Prague is the, the one who sort of pulled me out of it because he was like, uh, he's an excellent performer. He'd done news review loads and I'd been to see him in it. And he like emailed Emma Taylor, the artistic director, said, hey, Will would like to audition. Went and auditioned and I wrote my own like song and rap for the audition i'm not a great singer but i'm a, a confident <laughs> confident idiot who will try and rap at you um so i did that and then got into news review and then also i was working i was working in a michelin star restaurant and was really bad i was not very good at my job and managed to get a job in a theater um so i i moved from being like in a world that i wasn't very good at anything and there were no like-minded people around to then working in a nice theater with nice people that was opposite my old drama school is the Hampstead theater so it was that and then doing news review was just like opened up my world to like to performing as a comedian and Ben Pope the stand-up oh, yes. was in my run and I remember just like really being blown away by how he could write I was I didn't understand how someone could make funny stuff come out of a computer like that and I was like, whoa, I need to I need to up my game. So yeah, that was I did news review then and then Philippa did it a couple of years later and then she did the Edinburgh run. Oh yes. It's really an exceptional show and it's super fun and they give lots of people their start. Yeah. You do put you put yourself in this position where you're doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday every week for six weeks doing the show. And the news has a habit of being new all the time. So you have to keep changing <laughs> and updating the material. So you are forced into a situation where you're like, we have to cover this story. It's tomorrow. We have to write a sketch that has a punchline and we have to learn it and do it tomorrow. So it is a really good baptism of fire. Did it give you good... Um... I don't know if practice is the well maybe practice is the word, but the whole thing of like not being precious with material and having to chuck stuff out if like that news is no longer relevant or that sketch is no longer relevant. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I mean I still that's one of my worst habits as a writer and a collaborator is that I, I do sometimes get a bit precious about stuff and I'm ninety five percent of the time completely wrong <laughs> about the thing I'm being precious about, which is a great thing to learn and like 
that's I, that's why I love writing in collaboration because you learn and you go. There is no way of improving. Oh, you've just improved it. Shit. Okay, that's, that's way better. Thanks. Um, and with a news review, it is just like you do the dress rehearsal, and often because Emma is the artistic director, and there's there's other people who work there. Uh, they'll come and watch it and they'll give you notes and because they all have so much experience of the show they'll be like cut that it's not going to work it's not going to fly our audience isn't going to like that so you have to just be like okay that's gone like i think that the example i always use which i wasn't actually in news review for but when the scottish referendum happened oh yeah the announcement of the result came on a thursday and opening night of the week is a Thursday for news review. So they basically had to learn two songs, the yes and no song. Oh my God. So it's that kind of thing where you just have to be like, that'll never make it. And I would love, (laughs) I'd love there to be like a behind the scenes podcast each week where they talk about the stuff that got, that got cut and didn't make it. That's interesting. Yeah. Actually, I'm surprised that hasn't, there isn't like a companion pod. There seems to be a companion podcast with everything else. Well, I'm going to do a companion podcast to your podcast. <laughs> Behind the scenes. <laughs> it's called Pie Fisting and it's just all about <laughs> out of character. I'll just hand you all of the audio that didn't get used. Yeah. <laughs> everything that's libelous. Yeah. His David Reed being a terrible person. Uh, his Tom Crowley attacking <laughs> some very innocent people. Slander. Yeah. It's it's all content. It's content, isn't it? <laughs> That's and that it, that is what life is about. If nothing else, it's about just constant content. I'm interested to know. You met Tom at university. I did. This is true. How come at the time you both didn't sort of form a sketch group? Because as you said, he got back in touch with like I've written these sketches, and then obviously he became part of Just These Please. I think I was really enjoying doing a lot of improv at the time, and really I was like, I'm going to be a serious actor. I think that's the main thing. Uh, right, yes. I was in the Newcastle University Theatre Society. I used to audition for the plays, and I think there were fewer boys than girls, and uh, I got some good parts, and I felt like a big fish. But uh, maybe other people in the theatre society <laughs> would be like, you're a tadpole, mate. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I thought I was great, and I was like, I'm going to go to drama school, and I'm going to be a famous serious actor and i thought i'd audition for drama school and not get in the first time and i I was quite timid for quite a while even though i like i think i come across i came across at the time quite confident i was quite timid about admitting what i really wanted to do what i really wanted to do was get up on stage and make everyone look at me and make them laugh and also sometimes make them feel stuff i guess (laughs) Um, and the easiest way to do that at uni was doing plays that other people directed i really liked that role and so that plus improv i never really never really felt the urge to do anything else and then it was only when i was without that sort of community and it was like you gotta create stuff on your own now that i was like oh i can write things i and news review is a huge part of that of seeing the process of writing it to going on stage i was also directed by katie peskin who is an incredible director incredible writer and was just very inspiring in how she approached comedy and approached shows so yeah it's funny i didn't i i I didn't do the sort of like my sketch group from uni and then we just continued i i always sort of flitted about not knowing really where to land but i think that's really because one of the things that's not puts people off but definitely the kind of uh as you say, there's that expectation of i'm gonna meet my sketch group at uni yeah and like i can't speak for myself because I didn't go to uni but I've never been in a sketch group but part of me always thought like oh if I had gone to uni maybe I would have been in a sketch group so there is that expectation and that must be quite gutting when that doesn't happen 
Yeah. But then it's quite nice to know that it's that it it can it then happens in other ways. Like there's no set. Oh yeah, for sure. There's no like path. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is yeah, it's both li- it's liberating because then it's like I, I think there is a narrative of like I was in the footlights and now I do this, you know. Of course. And I think that's uh, it's it's just not the way it happens for everybody, and that's that's great. Well, not now anyway. Yeah, it's definitely changed a lot, and I think that's really nice. That there are all these different communities that you could be part of to meet people, and also all these different uh, scenes that are all very collaborative as well. Like you're obviously a very good collaborator because you've done plays, you've done improv, you've done sketch. It's it's all these team efforts. Yeah, it's nice being on a team, isn't it? Have you ever done um, solo? Have you ever done stand up or your own kind of character comedy? I did. I I like emceed one thing that uh, my agent organised a little like preview night for some of her new clients, and she was like, "Do you want to compare it?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I'd never, wow. I'd never done stand up or anything before, so I made a load of bullet points because I know that's what Billy Connolly does. And I came on stage, oh, and cool. every, every single bullet point I'd written down disappeared out of my brain. And I was like, "Oh, this is harder than I thought." <laughs> <laughs> so I've always wanted to do stand up, and I've always like, I've always written stuff for it. I've just never, I've never committed to to doing it. I've never got to the stage of like, okay, now's the time to actually give it a good crack because there's always something else sure. happening but i'd love to do it and actually in lockdown i started making um i made a couple of videos that i put up like just myself on my own pages which are very funny yeah thanks man and that's really fun because it's it's really great working with just these please because there are four of us so everything we write has to go through four brains and if four yes. people agree it's funny then you're f- like three steps ahead of when you've just gone i think in my own head this is funny like you've at least passed yes. it through some more filters <laughs> i see just these please as three other filters <laughs> that's what that seems like doesn't it i don't know how i'm coming across in this interview alex i, I really <laughs> oh, the affection dear. and love uh is emanating uh, really i really i really get it yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you had to be isolated with any TV comedy character... Who would it be? Oh, hold on a second. Does it have to be TV? Because I've 
I'd been thinking about radio. That's interesting. We, I mean, basically any comedy character, who okay. would you want to isolate with? Oh, okay, thanks, because I, I definitely needed it to be radio. <laughs> um, my choice is Arthur Shappy from Cabin Pressure by John Finnamore. I wondered if it was going to be... Oh, that's great. For those of you who don't know Cabin Pressure, it is an exceptional sitcom. And Arthur Shappy is like out of the sort of sitcom family is played by John Finnamore who wrote the series and he's just like the innocent lovely one who loves the world and he's like the uh, I guess like the Troy of community or like sort of like the Joey of friends but more innocent and he's just oh he's amazing his catchphrase is brilliant oh and where would you lock down with Arthur I would like to lock down with Arthur potentially in the fictional plane Gertie <laughs> because he that would be his home turf he knows how to microwave all the pilot's meals he he could make me surprising rice <laughs> which has orange bits in it uh, and then if you ask him what the orange bits are he says with all due respect that is completely against the spirit of surprising rice <laughs> he just he just would be a joy he like he wouldn't get bored he'd always have fun stuff to play Oh, he'd be a great person to hang out with, man. He's so nice. That's nice. That's uh, our first radio isolation. I would like to request, though, wherever we do lockdown, that there is no strawberry or dragon fruit in the vicinity because Arthur Shappy is allergic to both of them. I'm, I think we can we can arrange that. Great. <laughs> I say that. I'm not the one locking you both away. Kidnap John Finnamore uh, and <laughs> put a mask on his face that I think looks more like Arthur Shappy and then get him to play Arthur Shappy for 15 months in my living room. I... I would pay for that. That's a horror film waiting to have. That's like misery crossed with uh, Frank. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the crossover uh, no one asked for, but everyone needs to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about Justice, please, because I honestly think um, during lockdown, especially. Um, next to the pin, you guys have absolutely smashed the online sketches and online content. You guys have been so consistently funny. Oh, well, that's hugely kind of you, Alex. I, I think that's a very uh, a very generous place to put us anywhere near the pin because those boys are incredible. Yeah, no, they definitely... I think they have, like, won the lockdown... Uh, sketches it's either them or uh, munya chihuahua i think it's a close close circle there was that one you did where you ended up having to uh redesign the music for it didn't you oh yeah so we rewrote eminem's rap god which that's been in my head for about four years of like rap god sounds a bit like dad bod um yeah. and i was like oh we could rewrite this and uh, we did, and we did it about lockdown and the the pressures of having done exercise <laughs> and not put on weight and all that kind of shit. Um, yeah, as a sort of attempt at like a body positivity and also just a fun rap about uh, dad bod and lockdown. I'm beginning to feel like I have a dad bod, dad bod. Since lockdown started, I have eaten crap lots, crap lots. I've worked out every day, but on my Xbox, Xbox, I'm feeling like a fat slob. They call it dad bod. And you're all really good rappers as well. Oh, that's very kind. Well, I think Georgie brings a lot of that. Georgie is a poet. Uh, you can find her. I think it's she's at Georgie Jones on Instagram with a Z. And um, she is currently doing her one-woman show, Ish. Is she? Yeah, and it's a spoken word piece with, like, 
with a lot of poetry, some like rappy bits, and it's it's a really touching, very funny, excellent show. It's one of my oh, favorite amazing. shows I've ever seen. So if you see Ish anywhere, uh, you should go see it, and you should check her out on Instagram. She had a poem go pretty viral in lockdown because she wrote um she wrote about in response to retraining uh rishi sunak telling us to retrain oh wow and, uh, like adrian lester shared it and stuff so it's very cool oh that's great i'll have to try and see that because i mean yeah like that's the thing all three of you i i, I say that because tom's not in the video i'm not singling out tom as a <laughs> <laughs> i was really impressed by because as well the double time which i would like to clarify on on the record that's not sped up or anything we did actually record it i mean i because i'm a rapper as well i find double time extremely difficult and i rarely do it so whenever i when i was watching you guys doing this comedy video and suddenly you just like roll off uh that verse it's just like holy shit that's that is something. Palmer hammer, lots of jam, and I can see me loads of gluten. Got a lot of sourdough, and at the moment it is proving I've gained a bit of blubber. So if anyone can understand the pressure, then you better know that women it's do. It's devastating, doesn't it? Get irritating when there is an implication that you should be doing squats and circuit training, permeating on my Instagram, or as a perpetrating myths of women everywhere should ever be self-deprecating. Tell me, tucked in tone, and dedicating time to hate your body and abuse it. Just be happy you can use it. So in quarantine, did you learn a new skill and have you even used it? It's not really a prob. Just stuff your face full of deodorants. You're hot, no matter what. Order take away and then consume it. It was a real insight into how difficult that is to write because we were we're obviously like we're taking the structure of Eminem's lyrics and basically trying to honor the original rhymes or at least similar sounding stuff. But um, it's very, very hard. Like if you miss one beat or if you miss one one sort of uh, like bit of alliteration, it sort of like jumps out and you're like, oh, my God, that is really it's really hard to do <laughs> yeah, yeah so it, it's a real skill and i think i don't know how how well i'd do at writing an original rap at that speed because that is a whole nother thing but yeah to go back to your original question we released it with eminem's backing track that we obviously illegally ripped from youtube and <laughs> the, all it like it, our video just got buried because it was um because it was copyright claimed so we got a, a friend a friend of ours son is uh training as a music producer shout out to finley and uh he just within like an hour just made a beat that worked for it that's brilliant there are two beats that exist somewhere i think you can find the different ones on youtube and on twitter but it's a it's a great sketch i we had a lot of fun filming that and i think i still have snacks in the house because we bought a shitload of snacks i think there is still like a packet of tang fastics because i just couldn't bring myself to eat all of the snacks you've got to suffer for your art haven't you yeah it's it's a tough life Big <laughs> sketch, comic. sketch comic. Remember that is fine and put your feet up. Rap God. So with just these, please, um, tell me about when you started gigging, when you put a show together and like took it to Edinburgh. Like, was this the first time you had all done Edinburgh, or had you done shows before? Like, was it a real shock to the system? <laughs> Because Edinburgh is obviously <laughs> pretty fucking overwhelming. So Tom, when he was in sixth form, did a sketch show in Edinburgh. Um, there were like 10 of them in the group and he did a sketch show. And uh, I don't know if any of the material still exists from it, but I'd be very interested in seeing it. Um, I'm not sure if Philippa had done The Fringe, but she'd definitely been to The Fringe several times. And Georgie had done a play at The Fringe called Old Gristle, which was quite a serious artsy play. And 
I I starred in Newcastle University Theatre Society's Threads. What, as in the, the, the apocalyptic... No, no. Uh, drama. No, oh. you're mistaking you're mistaking that with the uh, the very accurate portrayal that um 21-year-old Will did of uh, a heroin addict. Cuz I had a lot of life experience oh, right. at the time, so <laughs> one of the reviews said only threads of it were memorable, which is uh, the best bit of writing involved in threads. But I had a great time <laughs> being there. It was really fun, but it was it was a tough old slog. My god, yeah. But so we all had a vague idea of what the fringe was like and basically we, I think the first show we did was in 2017 at the Canal Cafe Theatre, which is where News Review is. And then we went, we went up to the Fringe for a couple of days to like see things mm-hmm. as a group. And we saw, I think that was the year Muriel did Bad Master. Oh, yes. So we saw that and we saw Foil Arms and Hog and we saw a bunch of people who I, I now can't remember. I, I suddenly lost my voice and was very ill that weekend. It was, it was a strange oh, time. No. But then we were like, what we're going to do is we're going to put our, all these sketches together that we have and we're going to invite people to come and see it and we'll do Edinburgh in 2018. And we did a show at the Vault Festival. Uh-huh. We invited someone from all of the big four um, venues and I think The Pleasants came and Gilded Balloon came. And this was the thing that was really was really nice about it is we just emailed them we were absolute nobodies (laughs) and we just emailed people and ryan from the pleasants and julia chamberlain from gilded balloon both came and saw our show and were like very communicative and gave us a shot you know that's amazing so that was really nice and gilded balloon um (laughs) i think exactly what julia said was it's the first sketch show i've seen in a while that didn't make me want to throw rocks wow (laughs) i was like well we have i mean great <laughs> um and so we got a slot of the gilded balloon at midday twelve fifteen, which is a weird time to do a show in edinburgh because you're just after the kids show exactly. but it meant that we got sort of lucky because there was there was no we didn't really have any competition because i don't think there were any other sketch shows at the time oh right yeah yeah so and then we went back the next year and we were offered a bigger space, but we actually were like, ah, no, let's just do the same slot again. Cause then people will be like, that's the just these please time. And so 2019 was, was massive for us. Like we had to add an extra show and stuff. And it was, a. Uh, it's funny looking back on them. The first show, I think, cause a lot of my writing is in the first show. The first show, I think all of my writing and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one is much stronger, I think. But it's cause the first show was a load of material that Tom and I, had written georgie and philip had written separately and it was just stuff that we'd all been working on for ages and then the second show was the show that we wrote together for the first time so that was a really new experience of actually writing as the group rather than just honing the material we'd all brought to the table we then were writing collaboratively so it was a very different show and a much i think a much more exciting one yeah rather than coming at it from a comedy perspective i think we all came at it from a more like we're four actor comic performers so my takeaway for anyone listening, I guess, is that, again, yes. every trajectory is slightly different. So um, to talk, to go back to and to talk about, um, you had a sketch that went that went viral. Yeah, we did. It's called When You Order Coffee with an Irish Name. Uh, we released it in Edinburgh, on, like early on in the Fringe in 2018, like our first Fringe run. 
and it was sort of we definitely went into it thinking like we hope this is shareable and we'll put people's names in it and it's a very specific problem and it's it's going to attract anyone with those names it's going to go well for it's a parody song as well isn't it it's a it's a beyonce parody right yeah it's um destiny's child actually there are two other members oh, of that band uh, of i know we always forget about them but <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't remember um, if it was destiny's child or or yeah <laughs> don't worry michelle's not up to much now anyway so don't worry Aoife, can you handle this siobhan can you handle this Donal, can you handle this? We don't think you can handle this. There's a B in Siobhan. Use a B, you'd be wrong. There's an M, an M in need. And Maven's DHB. Donica, that's a name. Better than two, you're not insane. Blonde is spelled with a T. So can you handle, handle me? I definitely was like, we were hopeful that it would go well. Philippa maintains that she was like, I knew it was going to be big. <laughs> and I just had, I was like, hope it, hope it did. And then we did that, that thing of sitting, like refreshing the views. And this is going to sound like the most ridiculous experience, but a family friend of one of our families is friends with like a manager of a restaurant in Edinburgh who came to see the show and we got them tickets. So they were like, please come and eat in our restaurant for free. And we were like, is this, is this what happens to every sketch group? They go to Edinburgh for the first time and they get invited to eat. <laughs> Turns out that's not the case. But we hit 1 million views in like two or three days. Wow. And we were just sitting in this restaurant and then we, we walked home a bit drunk. And this is an uncharismatic story. We walked home singing our own song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just well, a bottle of Merlot in each hand, downing it, singing our own song. I went viral, you know? <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was crazy, man. It was really crazy. And it was, a, it was a really, like, bizarre thing to happen. It felt very strange getting that many views. And it, a lot of it, it, it's all like organic stuff of people just sharing it but at, at the very beginning like we did a coordinated strike where i on facebook joined every group imaginable that i could find to do with coffee and so i just shared it in every group and then nice one of the groups that i joined and i'm a member of to this day it was the <laughs> the coffee enema support group coffee enema yeah so it's a group oh um, of people who put coffee up their butts for their health benefits and support each other doing it and it is the most fascinating corner of the internet <laughs> and I, i've never left because uh, I, <laughs> I was like how did i end up clicking on this group <laughs> are you are you tempted um no, no, I, I, and I don't mean to be cynical, but I don't understand how putting a caffeinated beverage in the wrong end is going to be beneficial health-wise. I think coffee is probably not that great for you when it goes in the correct way. But they loved, but they loved it. They loved the sketch. I mean, obviously, they love the enemas. I mean, the sketch. They. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't even remember if I posted it in there. Maybe that is where our all of our viral stuff came from. There's just some lurker in that group who's actually hugely influential who was like, this is the one wow. for us. My name is Siobhan and I put coffee up my bum. Oh my God. I don't think you're ready for this feeling. I don't think you're ready for this feeling. I don't think you're ready for this feeling. My name contains seven silent letters. How have you felt? Because when you do go viral, there is that second album syndrome of, you know, <laughs> we want to like, we want to create more good stuff. Um, did you find like there was then more pressure 
when you were making your next sketch or your next set of like film sketches? I think if there was, it was only in our own heads. I don't think there's any external okay. pressure. Um, but yeah, there definitely was like, how do we replicate that? And there's there's a difficult thing as well that I find with the form of sketch comedy. I think you've actually talked about this in the podcast before, but the form of sketch comedy is like well often in our sketches is some people on a stage talking to each other you gradually reveal where they are and you surprise everyone with the punchline whereas oh yeah you can't do that now yeah with you like we now do do a lot of thinking about what we call the sketch about what happens in the first three seconds yeah and like our sketch about pancake day i don't know if you have seen that one yes i have it's about someone forgetting pancake day it starts in a therapist's office about this guy being like i it started off like any other day and yeah how you would do that live is you would gradually reveal take it very seriously gradually reveal the reason he's sad is because he forgot pancake day yeah but we you can't you're not afforded that on the internet you have to call the sketch when you forget pancake day so that people go i know the joke and i'm clicking in yeah so we do a lot of thinking about that and about how people share it and how people interact with things i mean that's really important as well because like even though you say even though you call it when you forget pancake day there's still something you're not quite expecting from it you know the end i won't give it away but like you know the at the end it's there is still something that is mm. a little nugget of a surprise but what i hate is when sketches call the sketch the actual punchline yeah almost it's and you're just like well i already know this so all you're doing is just like laboring the point essentially it's it's very difficult to try and get to like actually nail that trying to entice people in but also giving them something new yeah that they're not expecting i think it's both like you can look at it in a sort of irritated manner and be like this is annoying or you can look at it as an opportunity to reframe the things that you do. Mm. I don't know. I love the idea, the sketches that we've filmed, that we'd love to put them into a like half an hour pilot at some point, like edit them all together. And that would be, it would look totally different because you sit down to watch like a Michelin web sketch, say, that yes. you don't know where it's, Yeah, I mean, you know where it is based on the setting and the exposition that's been done, but you don't have a title and it's not hashtagged and you're not like, you you're in interacting it within with it in a different way. So I think the sketches can have sort of two lives and maybe even three if you do them live. So you can look at it as a negative or you can look at it as like we have some of our sketches that we've put on TikTok and I've put up like just 30 seconds of a sketch and it's got hundreds of thousands of yeah. views whereas the full sketch has got like 20 views. So that's interesting. You can get more life out of the things potentially, but it does sometimes it does feel like Oh no, you're spoiling all my reveals. Yeah, that's really interesting for like for people who are listening and who are like trying to make online comedy. That's very good advice because it it seems it might seem really obvious but also it isn't to like hey, you've got to think about how you repackage something you've come up with. Cuz there's a nice I think there's quite a romantic idea of like build it and they will come. And if you make something good enough, people will see it. And I, I do like to believe in that, but I think now the way the the online market ugh, is, you have to sort of be a bit clever about the way you package stuff to to make it best place to be seen, if that's what you want from it. If you want lots of people to see it, you've got to work out how it's 
how it's going to be how it's going to come across and who you're going to send it to and like that's what the the great thing of the irish coffee sketch is like yeah it's, it's a great sketch it's a great song it's super fun but the thing that made it massive is that everybody tagged their mates who had a name that was hard to spell and was irish yes i think that's really yeah, what it's the reactive yeah um behavior that it kind of elicits i think it's a privilege to be able to just make stuff and it and it just goes massive <laughs> like and lots of people and it gets put in front of lots of people it can happen by luck but basically you 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 can place yourself to have a bit more luck by doing some social media savvy things which feels a bit icky when when you're doing something that's like (laughs) an artistic expression and is you know comedy that means something to you it does feel a bit icky dming someone and going hi i thought you might like this and hoping they retweet it but sometimes they do you know yeah it this i i'm very much from that class of don't ask don't get yeah i think that does still apply because it's so easy to miss something as well yeah like there have been so many you know sort of sketches where you kind of you know i might yeah i might discover them like weeks later and be like how the hell did i miss this when it came out you know it's yeah so how important is it to keep regularly putting out um these sketches like did again was there maybe not a pressure but were you sort of like we have to keep if we want to build our following and build ourselves as a not as a brand but you know what i mean yes i mean that's sort of what all social media is isn't it we're all brands now so that that does i know what you mean you're trying to build up a following so do you have to kind of have a regular we do it at, at this time at this point or can you be a bit more sporadic once you've put out that like that sketch yeah that's uh, so, uh, an interesting question i think where i'm at at the moment with my views on social media and stuff i think you don't have to do anything and just it's just a tool to serve you and don't treat it as anything else other than that if it's going to help you career-wise if it's going to make you feel good about posting something great but you know that's the end of it and we definitely for a while were really actively chasing like we're going to be we're going to be youtubers we're going to because foil arms and hog for example are like they're huge and they make a video a week and they crack out a sketch a week and they are so high quality like oh god yeah they are so prolific those guys unbelievable they're so they're so brilliant and they're they're very friendly we had a pint with them in edinburgh and they were so like welcoming and nice and then another one where it's kind of like you go to edinburgh and you go and see a full arms and hog show Mm. you already know what kind of show you're going to get yeah they have built a brand for themselves they have such a back catalogue of stuff because they've been doing the fringe for years like but we sort of were like let's try that model and we did we were doing a, a video a week on youtube but it basically like it became too much work to do every week for not a huge amount of return yes there is definitely value to being like i'm putting something out every single week like lots of performers have done that and have really benefited from it but i think it has to serve you and at the moment we're enjoying writing a load of new stuff for potential live shows and trying to get into the gigging world which is what we're sort of focusing on now which is quite exciting yeah i've said it before there's no point me repeating myself but it's just about using using social media as a tool to serve you rather than serving it and being like we have to do something once a week now you don't i think that is really um valid advice because it is so easy to get uh swamped into that kind of thing of oh my god i must do something especially during lockdown oh yeah, when yeah. i'd be talking to people who 
you know, they'd be sort of be like, oh, God, you know, I've hardly put out anything. I just don't feel creative. What's the matter with me kind of thing? Because all these other people have been doing etc and then on the other side i talk to other people who have been doing the videos and they're kind of like i have to stop because i can't keep this up but i'm worried if i stop <laughs> running on the treadmill kind of thing yeah yeah so either way both camps are miserable uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so i think that's really i think that is really valid advice of just do it for you This is the final section of the podcast. This name has been gifted to you by Bryony Redman. Thanks, Bryony. The name of the character is Captain Pajamas. <laughs> Captain Pajamas. Who is Captain Pajamas? Captain Pajamas is absolutely jacked. He's super muscular. Yeah. He's got sort of a, a Lego shaped head, <laughs> and he's got those muscles that look a bit like wings, and he wears oh golden Y fronts. And um, he wears slippers, and that's all he wears. He doesn't actually wear pajamas, which is a common misconception mm. with Captain Pajamas. Well, because it, it, I suppose it's like if he is trying to be, you know, he's just, like mysterious, trying to hide. Like the first thing people will be looking for is pajamas, isn't it? Yeah, and if you want to go unnoticed, wearing <laughs> slippers and golden Y fronts is definitely the way to go. <laughs> that's. <laughs> Sort not pajamas, laying low. <laughs> yeah, not pajamas. No way. Uh, I think he's sort of a Gilderoy Lockhart sort of character, a bit uh-huh. self-obsessed. Right. And what does he do? He fixes minor issues in the nightwear departments of uh, big department stores. I see. So, if there's like some lingerie that's on the wrong, this says like thirty-four double D, and it's actually a thirty-six B, he'll change that around. <laughs> My, I think my improvising of bra sizes there really revealed how little I know about bras. <laughs> oh, so is he employed by the stores? Is he? No, is he? <laughs> he he is. He's a very innocent guy. Like he's very nice, but he does cast a a, a startling figure. He's like four foot nine. He's four foot nine across as well, and because he's just so jacked, he's so muscly, and he just goes around like. And and Pete, the staff come up to him and like, excuse me, sir, is everything okay here? And then he's just like, yes, I'm I'm just rearranging the nightwear. You had it color coded when it needs to be in order of size. <laughs> I'm Captain Pajamas, <laughs> no relation. And then he flies off. So is this a daily thing he does? Is this like his job essentially, or is this a hobby? What's his the regularity in which he does this? Well, I mean, it's is Superman. Uh, saving the world is that a hobby or is it a job oh now you've gone into deep territory haven't you captain pajamas just does what needs to be done you know he gets it done and he doesn't need you labeling it <laughs> i love how you're getting so defensive yeah well look he's a good guy he's a good guy are you his sidekick <laughs> yeah i'm I'm dressing gown boy <laughs> and i wear the opposite of what he's wearing so i have like shin pads and a t-shirt, <laughs> no pants and no shoes. Oh, God. I hope you're not in the nightwear department. No, I spend most of my time being arrested, <laughs> I think. I, I I think what I'm there to do is sort of make him look better by comparison. They're like, there are creeps in the nightwear department. It's like, don't worry, we've got the creepy dressing gown guy out of there. 
I'll be honest. When you said Captain Pajamas, I did not know that we'd end up down this line of me flashing people in a department store. I don't think it's... It's fine. This, <laughs> isn't, about, it's... this isn't about Jesse Galboy. This is about Captain Pajamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's four foot, golden wife fronts, yeah. uh, and absolutely stacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does he go to the same place twice, or is he always going to a new... Uh, lingerie department it's not just lingerie <laughs> leaving his calling card yeah his his calling card <laughs> is a hot water bottle he leaves a little <laughs> hot water bottle for you no he, he just goes where he has like a, a sort of spidey sense um but it's a sleepy sense of like where where there is injustice in the sleeping world i think so by day yeah this is what we're settling on by day he's sorting out the nightwear department so you can get the sleep where you need but by night you know when you're, yeah. you're lying in bed and you're like, I can't get comfortable, and then you roll over and you find the perfect position? Yeah. That's not because you've rolled. That's because Captain Pajamas has moved the mattress around you. Whoa. No, no, it's great. <laughs> a- anytime. You I know you're over. trying to paint that as, as sweet and comforting, but... <laughs> a very short, muscular man feeling your mattress in the middle of the night. It's not a comforting image, is it? With a Lego head. Um, but like he's oh the one... Goodness. He cools the other side of the pillow. Okay, that is something people appreciate. He he smells of lavender and he's dripping in in a. Okay, dri- dripping is not a word you want to hear. <laughs> I think I'm I'm cri- making myself seem much more blue than I actually am as a comic. Um, <laughs> who's Captain Pajamas? Uh, he's a muscular, oiled-up man who feels the underside <laughs> of your pillow whilst you sleep. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in jail for flashing people in the dressing gown. <laughs> oh dear so that's captain pajamas yeah, thank you for coming in captain pajamas does he have an arch nemesis yeah <laughs> in the in, in, is it the police department <laughs> yeah it's, it's uh, breaking and entering legislation no it's in some the insomnia the insomnomaniac oh he stops people getting to sleep yeah he stops people getting to sleep and captain pajamas is waging war on uh bad sleep Okay. Okay, you've you've turned this around now. This has a much more wholesome Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wholesome feel to it. Um <laughs> just about. Yeah, I don't think this is going to get commissioned for Nickelodeon anytime soon. <laughs> um oh, wow. That's amazing. Thank you, Will, uh for Captain Pajamas. You're welcome. <laughs> Can you please uh, reveal the name you are going to pass on to my next guest. Stiffy. <laughs> Stiffy. So, when you were saying earlier about how you're not a blue comedian... As I said that, I remembered the name I'd come up with and was like... <laughs> I, I did consider changing it last minute there and I was like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> go with it. Who is Stiffy? We shall find out in the next episode of Out of Character. In the meantime... Thank you so much for being my guest, Will. It's been an absolute delight to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. It's been a lovely time chatting to you. I forgot it was recording at many moments, so I might have said some things I regret. Enjoy them. Cheers, mate. Goodbye. And just these please are at just these please, but we miss one of the T's because some kid had ju- at just these please. So it's just these please. I love that you missed off the T. So it, it's ju these please. Yeah, ju these please. Ju <laughs> <Joue> these please. <laughs> 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.